Welcome to, to the, the HUD. HUD. I'm Lomi Blum. And I'm Jaden Hires. The HUD is a student-run podcast run by the Hudsonian newspaper. Our news is your news. Hello, Jaden. Hey, Lomi. How goes it? I'm doing well. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm just dandy. It's a good morning. Yeah. Halloween, coming up. It's time to get spooky. Are you feeling the Halloween spirit? I am. I am. Today's... I'm doing a production of Rocky Horror Picture Show, so tonight's the first performance. So, I feel like I'm getting into the vibe, and yeah, do you have any plans? Oh, you saw Michael Buble, like, a couple days ago. I know that's like, has nothing to do with Halloween, but how was it? It was the scariest thing I've ever witnessed. No. <laughs> it was great. I mean, he's funnier than I thought he'd be. Like, he's hilarious. He's definitely, uh, like, old man sort of funny, but it's great. Like, it was fantastic. That's awesome. Beautiful show. Beautiful band. Great. Um, do you have any... Do you have any costume plans? Do you know what you're... Are you dressing up? Do you dress up? Yeah, I do dress up. So, this year on Halloween night, um, because, because I have to dress up for Rocky, so besides Rocky, um, for Halloween night, I'm going to New York City, and I'm going to be seeing Harry Styles and his Sick. Halloween performance, and Orville Peck is opening. Yes. So, I'm going to dress, I think, as, like, an Orville Peck. I'm excited to see that. Yeah. And I think my friend is going to dress as Harry, but I don't know. There's kind of been a lack of Hopefully. communication there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any plans for Halloween? Are you going to dress up? My first idea was to use this red leather coat that I have to be like a Tyler Durden kind of character. Um, but then I thought I could just be a vampire. I always in the last minute on Halloween, and this year is no different, and I think that I'll just try to be hot for Halloween. Nice. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Are you going to watch any, like, Halloween movies or whatever? I need to watch... I've, I've recently had this conversation where I cannot recall the plot of The Corpse Bride <laughs> because I've never fully paid attention to it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I've watched that. I really love Monster House. Monster so House is a classic. I watch that. It's such a good movie. Such a good movie. Yeah. Discover some new horror movies and, and watch some of my old favorites. That's all. Nice. I think I'm going to go like on a Tim Burton binge as well. I really, exactly. I love Corpse Bride, but I think I'm going to like go with the Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands route. And this is going to make me sound very snobby, but there's this um, Persian vampire film I absolutely love. <laughs> It's incredible. It's called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Midnight, and it's about this, like, rundown city, dystopian society in um, Iran, and this girl who's a skater is also a vampire, and she kills men. It's kind of the original promising young woman, but with vampires and almost like a western tinge. It's crazy and super good. So I think I'm going to watch that. promising young woman. It kind of is, except the only thing is that Promising Young Woman does have Bo Burnham in it. I was going to say that! <laughs> so, that kind of gives it some points, but if you have not seen this film, 
I'm gonna make sure I'm saying the title right. A girl walks home alone at midnight. You need to watch it. Yep. Okay. Oh, it's not midnight. It's a girl walks home alone at night, and it's just incredible. Go watch that movie. Yes. Alright. So, our plan today was to tell a couple of spooky stories um, to get in the Halloween spirit, because this is coming out literally on Halloween. So, let's do it. So, I think, Jaden, you have some stuff to share, so would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, I have something short. I think I'll do the short thing first, then you can hit us with the story, and then I can do a story? Yep, sounds good. Okay. The introduction. Walk towards it. See what you've become over all these years, what you have made yourself into, and walk towards it. Take a look inside. Peel back the skin and see the parts that have made you whole, the blood and the muscle and the fat. The skin over your frame is the only body you'll know. Don't back up. Face yourself. Decide what you feel and try to think the same way. Trace those thoughts back to the center and speak with it. As you laugh and cry, watch yourself closely, eye to eye with no space in between. You are nothing to be afraid of. Walk forward, closer, closer. Feel your skin against your own, closer. Step into yourself. Wow, and who was that by? Oh, that's an original. Hey, oh. <laughs> Jaden is a human of many talents, oh, and poetry so is is their poetry is definitely incredible. Oh God, what's your story? <laughs> All right, um, so. This high school I went to, I didn't graduate from it, but the high school I went to um, is actually where Jordan Peele went. And if you're living under a rock and do not know who Jordan Peele is, he's um, a comedian and he's an incredible writer. He's probably best known for the comedy series Key and Peele and um, his movies Get Out. His movie Get Out. There's another movie. It's not as well known, so I'm not going to mention it, but it's very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so he went to my high school and apparently in his freshman year, he wrote a horror story to, um, and ever since it was a tradition in my school that all the freshmen would be told this story. And this is before this tradition was going on before Jordan Peele was famous. And, um, I'm going to retell an ninth grade Jordan Peele horror story (laughs) um the best I can um so there's a family and they're driving back home and they're going through all these neighborhoods and the mother points out a house oh that's Mrs. Robinson's house she used to be my teacher until she went mad And the family doesn't think anything of it. So they continue to drive back home. And when driving back home, 
It's a rainy, foggy, and just overall gloomy day. So they're driving on the highway, and then there's a large thump. And the family notices that they ran out of gas and that a tire went out. So, in this family, there's a father, a mother, and two sons. And so, the father and one of the sons says, We'll go back and get the gas and get help with the tire. So, they get out of the car and start walking down the highway. And the gas station is maybe about two miles away. And so the mother and the other son are in the car, and they're waiting. And they start to hear loud noises around them. Thump, thump. But it's in the distance, so they don't think anything of it. And so while, that, while they hear the noises, the father and the son are on the way to the gas station. And they also hear noises. Thump, thump. But they also don't think anything of it, thinking that maybe because it's such a rainy day, it could just be the weather. And so they continue walking into the fog. And then, meanwhile in the car, the mother and the son hear thump, thump, but this time it's only louder. Still, they think nothing of it and they decide to go to sleep because they say they're thinking oh it's going to be a while until our family comes back and so they're asleep in the car and the mother is wrapped in a blanket and the son is laying in the back and then maybe 15 minutes later while they're in their napping they hear thump thump a little bit louder still they think nothing of it <laughs> and they just go back to bed and then and then the mother wakes up again only a little bit later and sees a dead deer in the road and she thinks that must be where the noise came from. Maybe it was an animal. And so she goes back to bed, thinking nothing of it. Meanwhile, the, other, the father and the other son also notice a dead deer on the road and hear the noises growing closer and closer. Thump, thump. And they're, at this point, they're a little spooked, but they're just trying to get the gas so they can get out of there quickly. Meanwhile, the mother and the other son here thump, thump again. This time, the mother wakes up and becomes more alert. She looks in the distance and sees a shadowy figure. Now she's scared. She wakes up her son, points up, points through the window and says, Do you see that? 
The son says, maybe it's someone who just needs help. Gets out of the car, walks towards them. And the mother hears only a scream in the distant fog. Are you on your phone? No. Is he down there? <laughs> oh my goodness! No. The mother is scared. And she begins to try to figure out her escape. She sees the figure walking towards her, the noise getting louder. Thump, thump, thump. She doesn't know what to do. And she's thinking, she's thinking, she's thinking how to get out, how to get out. How do I get out of this? But there's no way out. There's no way out. And the noise grows closer and closer until she sees the figure. The figure's dreary and mysterious, with blood on its face, sharp teeth. And she notices it looks like her old teacher. Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> and she's looking at her. And in this woman, and the woman lifts her hand. And it's her husband's decapitated head. And she puts that down and she lifts her other hand. It's her son's decapitated head. She puts that down. <laughs> she does another reveal. And it's her other son's decapitated head. Oh, and she goes, You're next. And the mother said, What did I do to you? And she says, Don't you remember? The mother says, No, I don't. You're the one who made me go crazy. And the mother, confused, says, how did I do that? And she says, Well, don't you remember? You're the one who got me fired. And the mother says, Fired for what? Fired only because I slapped you on the hand. And then rips the car open, takes the mother, and rips off her head, and leaves. The Freshman Scare Story, <laughs> written by well, Jordan Pierre. <laughs> bone chilling. I think his message, because there were two versions, and I think his message was to be respectful <laughs> towards your teachers. Yeah. Um, oh my god. I don't know. I don't know what was going on through Freshman Jordan <laughs> Peele was a bit was something. Yeah, yeah it's a, you know. Yeah. It's working out for the rest of us now, I guess. Yeah. Um Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Alright. And last but not least, I have found 
that's the story I did want to read that I couldn't find before. So this is called a uh, Friday Black by Nana Kwame Ade Aje Brenna. There you mm. go. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna try to do the thing. Get to your sections, Angela screams. Ravenous humans howl. Our gape whines and rattles as they shake and pull their grubby fingers like worms through the grating. I sit atop a tiny cabin roof made of hard plastic. My legs hang near the windows and fleeces hang inside of it. I hold my reach, an eight-foot-long metal pole with a small plastic mouth at the end for grabbing hangers off the highest racks. I also use my reach to smack down Friday heads. It's my fourth Black Friday. On my first, a man from Connecticut bit a hole in my tricep. His slobber hot. I left the sales floor for ten minutes so they could patch me up. Now I have a jagged smile on my left arm. A sickle. Half circle. My lucky Friday scar. I hear Richard's shoes flopping towards me. You ready, big guy? He asks. I open one eye and look at him. I've never not been ready. So I don't say anything and close my eyes again. I get it, I get it. I have a tiger, I like it, Richard says. I nod slowly. He's nervous. He's a district manager, and this is the prominent mall. We're the biggest store in his territory. We're supposed to do a million over the next 30 days. Most of it's on me. The main gate creaks and groans. I saw the super shell in the back. What she wear, medium large? Large, I say, opening both eyes. There's a contest. Whoever has the most sales gets to take home any coat in the store. When Richard asked me what I was going to do if I won, I told him that I, when I won, I was going to give one of the super shell Parkers to my mother. Parkers to my mother. Richard frowned but said that was honorable. I said, yeah, it was. The super shells are the most expensive coats we have this season. Down-filled, lofted exterior with a water-repellent finish, zip fence to keep the thing breathable, elastic hem, plus faux fur on the hood for a luxurious touch. I know Richard would have me choose literally anything else. That's half why I chose it. I set it aside in the back. It's the only large we've got due to a shipment glitch. Nobody will touch it because I'm me. Most of the Friday heads are here for the pole face stuff. And whose name is lined up with pole face section on the daily breakdown each day this weekend? It's not Lance or Michael, that's for sure. It's not the new kid duo either. I look across to Denim where duo is pacing back and forth, making sure his piles are neat and folded. He's a pretty good kid. Sometimes I'll actually ask to help with shipments. He wears a t-shirt and skinny jeans like most of our customers his age. Angela tells him to watch me, to learn from me. She tells him that he is my heir apparent. I like him, but he's not like me. He can sound honest. He knows how to see what people want, but he can't do what I can do. Not on Black Friday. But he'll survive the denim. Michael and Lance cover shoes and graphic tees. Michael and Lance might as well be anybody else. 
Lance is working for Burke. There's a grind and a metallic rumble. Angela is in the front. She's pushed the button and turned the key. The main gate eats itself up as it rolls into the ceiling. Get out of here, I yelled at Richard. He runs to the register where he'll be back up to the backup safe. Maybe 80 people rush through the grate, clawing and stampeding, pushing racks and bodies aside. Have you ever seen people run from a fire or gunshots? It's like that, with less fear and more hunger. From my cabin, I see a child, a girl, maybe six years old, disappear as the wave of consumer fervor swallows her up. She is sprawled face down with dirty shoe prints on her pink coat. Lance walks up to the small pink body. He is pulling a pallet jack and holding a huge push broom. He thrusts the broom head into her side and tries to sweep her onto the pallet jack so he can roll her to the section we've designated for bodies. As he touches her, a woman wearing a gray scarf pushes him away and yanks the girl to her feet. I imagine the mother explaining that her tiny daughter isn't dead yet. She pulls the little girl toward me. The girl limps and tries to keep up, and then I have to forget about them. Blue, son, sleek pet. A man with wild eyes and a bubble vest screams as he grabs my left ankle. White foam drips from his mouth. I use my right foot to stomp his hand, and I feel fingers crush beneath my boots. He howls, sleep pack, son, while licking his injured hand. I look him in his eyes, deep red around his lids, redder at the corners. I understand him perfectly. What he's saying is, my son loves me most on Christmas. I have him holidays. Me and him wants the one thing, only thing his mother wants on me. Need to feel like a father. Ever since that first time, since the bite, I can speak Black Friday, or I can understand it at least. Not fluently, but well enough. I have some of them in me. I hear the people, the sizes, the model, the make, the reason, even if they're all just foaming at the mouth. I use my reach and pull a medium-sized blue sleek pack full pole face from a face-out rack way up on the wall. Thanks. He growls when I throw the jacket in his face. I jump down from the cabin and swing the reach around so none of them can get too close. The long rod whistles in the air. Most of the customers can't speak in real words. The Friday black has already taken most of their minds. Still, so many of them are the same. I grab two medium fleeces without anyone asking for them because I know somebody wants one. They howl and scream, daughter, son, girlfriend, husband, friend, me, daughter, son. I throw one of the fleeces towards the registers and one toward the black back wall. The crowd splits. Near the registers, a woman in her 30s takes off her heel and smashes a child in the jaw with it just before he can grab the fleece. She inspects the tag, sees it's a medium, and throws it down on top of the boy with a heel-sized hole in his cheek. I toss two large fleeces and one medium fleece into the crowd. Then I deal with the customers who can still speak, who are nudging and pushing around me. Cold bubble, small me, cold. A man says while beating his chest, I'm the only one at work who doesn't have a coldmeister. How can I be a senior advisor without the only one? 
I pressed the end of my reach against his neck to keep his hungry mouth from me. Then, without taking my eyes off him, I grabbed one of the Coldmeister bubble coats from the rack behind me. And then it's in his hands. He hugs the coat and runs to the register. Us! Us! A woman with a gray scarf says. She has large gold earrings hanging off the sides of her head. The pink coat child is at her shins. The child's face is bruised, but she isn't crying at all. Can't the star, Gray Scarf's husband says. Family time means 42-inch high depth. The buy-side deal is the only, is only while supplies last. Can't afford another day. Black Friday takes everybody differently. It's rough on families. They can't always hear what I hear. Asshole, the wife sees. Then she stares back at me. Whole face, pink, she says, pointing to her child. Cold, sleep pack, she continues, pointing to her own face. A new kitty pole face, a new cold sleep pack, a coalmeister, a family set. The woman has both the coats she needs in a second, then storms off, dragging her child behind her. It isn't always like this. This is the Black Weekend. Other times, if somebody dies, at least a cleanup crew comes with a tarp. Last year, the Friday Black took 129 people. Black Friday is a special case. We're still a hub of customer care and interpersonal cohesiveness, mall management said in a mall-wide memo. As if caring about people is something you can turn on and off. In the first five hours, I do 7,000 plus. No one has ever sold like that before. Soon, I'll have a $500 jacket as proof to my mother that I'll love her forever. When I imagine how her face will look as I give it to her, my heart beats faster. At five in the morning, the lull comes. The first wave of shoppers are home, sleeping or dead in various corners of the mall. Our store is three bodies in the body section. The first came an hour in. A woman climbed the denim wall looking for a second pair of her size. She was screaming and rocking the wooden cubby wall so hard that the whole thing almost fell on Duo and everybody in his section. Duo pokes her off the wall with his reach. She fell on her neck. Another woman snatched the skinny stretches from her dead hands. Lance came with the pallet jack, his broom, and some paper towels. My first break is at 5.30 a.m. On my way to clock out, I walk through Denim. Looks like you've had it pretty crazy, I say to Duo. There are jeans everywhere, none of them folded, bloodstains all over the floor. Yeah, he says. A young man in a white t-shirt staggers towards us. Grrr, he says. He's gnawing on something. I move to sling him in one of the slip straights in his thighs. He thinks it'll make him popular at school, but stop because of how quickly Duo tosses the right kind of jeans to the customer, who takes them and limps to the register. Do you understand them? I ask. Now I do, Duo says. He kicks the tooth that's lying on the ground. Then he shows me a small bloody mark in the space between his thumb and forefinger. Last Black Friday. This is my first. Well, the worst part is done, I say, kind of smiling, trying to see where he's at. I don't know, he says. Yeah, I say, and continue on towards the register.
My break's after yours, Dora says. That's retail for hurry up, I'm hungry. I punch my username and password into the computer, and Richard bows to me like I'm to be worshipped. Angela nods at me like a proud mama. While I'm gone, Angela will take my spot in the pull face section. It's the lull, so she can handle it. Outside the store, the prominence is bloody and broken, so I can tell it's been a great Black Friday. There are people strung out over benches, their feet poking out of trash bins. Christmas music you can't escape plays from speakers you cannot see. Christmas is God here. I'm hungry. My family really didn't do the Thanksgiving thing this year, which felt like a relief, except I missed my chance for stuffing. I'd offer to help with some of the shopping. My mom had lost her job. I make eight fifty an hour, but I saved. Mom, dad, sister, me. But then we skipped the whole thing because we really don't like one another anymore. That was one of the side effects of lean living. We used to play games together. Now my parents yell about money. And when they aren't doing that, we are quiet. I walk, wondering if there's any stuffing in the mall. My second Black Friday, our store was doing pretty well, so there was a commission. You got something like 2.5% of all of your sales. It was a big deal for us on the floor. That was when Wendy was sales lead, which meant she had the highest sales goals. That year, she brought in a pie for everybody. I made sure not to eat any of it because I don't eat anything anybody tries to shove down my throat, and she could not stop talking about the pie. We can have Thanksgiving in the store. It's homemade. Everybody was saying how nice she was, how thoughtful. And then Wendy and I were the only ones who didn't have the shits all day. Who knows what she put in the pie? I made it in my mission to be there. I did. I squashed her. Maybe it was because, thanks to her biological warfare, I had shoes, graphic tees, hats, plus down in the cover while she was stuck in full face. Maybe it was because winter was warm that year. Maybe it was that I'm the greatest salesman this store has ever seen and ever will see. But I squashed her. I've been lead ever since. Monday was gone by New Year's. I put the extra commission money towards some controllers for my game box. I make it to the food court where the smell of food wafts over the stench of freshly deceased like a muzzle on a rabid dog. There are survivors, champions of the first wave pulling bags stretched to their capacity, using the last of their energy to haul the newly purchased happiness home. And there are the dead everywhere. I get $2 menu burgers, a small fry, and a drink from Burgerland. The man at the cash register has seen so much and had so much caffeine that I have to remind him to take money away from me. Even as he takes it, he stares forward, past me, looking at nothing. I sit in the food court at one of the white tables that doesn't have a corpse on it. I bite into my burger and I chew slowly. If I hold a bite in my mouth long enough, it softens into something that feels almost like stuffing. While I eat, a woman drags a television and a box to the table in front of me. She pushes a woman who is lying face down in a small pool of red blood out of the chair. Then she sits. I recognize her from the store. One of her ears looks like it's been mangled by teeth. The other still has a large gold earring. Her gray scarf is gone. But now she's wearing her new coat. When I look at her, she hisses and points 
and shows her pointy white teeth. It's okay, I say. I helped you. She looks at me confused. Um, sleep pack, cold, I say in Black Friday, pointing to myself and then back to her. The creases on her face smooth. She relaxes into her seat and rubs her cheek into the faux fur of the hood. Good haul? I ask. She nods hard and pets the face of the television box. Family still shopping? I ask. The woman dips her pointer finger into the blood puddle in front of her. Forty-two inches high death, she says. <laughs> this is the only time they can afford it. With a red finger, she makes a small circle, then points two small paints two small eyes on the cardboard box and drags a smile beneath the eyes. The blood dries out before she gets all the way across the face. What? I ask. Then, she says. I sigh, trample. Oh, I say. Right. She was weak. He was weak. I am strong, the woman says as she pets the face of the box. It hardly smears at all. Weak, she repeats. Got it. I say. I finish one burger, then I toss the second to the woman. She catches it, tears the paper away, and eats gleefully. My phone moves in my pocket, and I grab it. I still have 15 minutes, but it's the store. We need you, Richard screams. I just left, I say, getting up and starting to walk. Joe, just quit. Oh. He said he needed to go on break, and I said wait a few minutes. And then he just left. He's gone. I'm coming, I say. I get up walking towards the escalator. I step to the conveyor and float down, coming up the opposite escalator as duo. Hungry? I say. I couldn't do it, man. It's just sad, duo says. I grunt something because I don't have the words to tell him that it is sad, but it's all I have. It's a nice coat, he says, but that's it. What? code isn't proof she knows you don't need to bro he says turning around and rising up the escalator don't do that i say not to me sorry yeah and then duo flies away my third black friday the company wasn't doing great there was no commission and no prize i still outsold everybody Back in the store, there's a new body in the body pile, and full-faced young woman is trying to kill Angela. She's clawing and screaming, and even from the store entrance, I know what she wants. Angela's pinned against the wall where the super shells are. It looks like the girl is about to bite Angela's nose off. Lance is rolling a team toward the body pile, and Michael is helping the customer in the shoe section. Richard looks at me and points to Angela and the girl. I know what the girl wants. Help! Angela yells, turning to look at me. She has a reach between her and the girl, but she won't last much longer. I turn and go back to the back room. I look up only at a large super shell parka hanging there. I pull it off the hanger. I go outside and the girl can smell it. She looks in my direction and howls like a wolf. I won't be alone with this, she's saying. They'll like me now. <laughs> she rushes towards me. I dangle the coat to the side like a matador. She runs towards it, and I let go and leap out of the way as she comes crashing through the parka. Then, with the coat in her hand, she says, Thank you, in a raspy voice. 
I'll watch her at the register. Have a nice day, Richard says as she rings her up. She growls and then says, you too. I punch back in at the computer. Angela puts a hand on my shoulder. Thanks, she says. Yep, I say, and I go back to my section. A herd of shoppers stops in front of the store. They can see the polo face we have left. I climb on top of my cabin. The people stampede. Somebody falls, and they get up. Some bodies fall and stay down. The scream and hiss and claw and moan. I grab my reach and watch the blood-messed humans with money in their wallets and Friday black in their brains run toward me. I smile out at the crowd. How can I help you today? They push and point in all directions. There you go. <laughs> the horrors of consumerism. Exactly. Yeah. I loved it. It was a bit long, but it was good. I, I liked thought it. it was great. So, on behalf of the HUD, we are going to wish you a, a very happy Halloween.